Welcome to A Vague Knowledge of Everything. I am Rosie. I am Hope, and there is a brief lag in our sound. <laughs> but it's okay, because I'm going to fix it. So hopefully it won't show up in post, but we'll see. I just said in post like I'm a person who knows how to do these things. I'm uh, a anyway. professional podcaster. <laughs> I'm a professional podcaster. We have more than 15 podcast episodes. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. So today we're talking about cooking shows. Uh, just I kind of texted Hope uh, a while back because we had been looking for something more fun to do after the Jonestown episode, uh, which I actually still haven't edited because it's just it's so unpleasant. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so uh, so we we're looking for something pleasant after having to uh, kind of hear and like look into a little bit more about that. So if you didn't listen to that one, just know it's a bummer and this one won't be. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Might be a bummer, depending on what you think of bummer is. But nah. Uh, yeah. So, so hope. What kind of cooking shows? What cooking shows do you watch? Do you like? Do you are you interested in? I don't. Know. I love all things food related. So I watch a fair amount of not just cooking shows, but like like eating stuff on YouTube. So like Keith <laughs> from the Try Guys does a lot of eat the menu well he'll, he'll have a bite of every single thing from a menu which is really interesting for me to watch and then i love watching hot ones the spicy hot wings interviews mm-hmm. where people are like crying at the end of <laughs> but um so I, i'm not sure if i'd call learned... it a cooking show but yeah sure <laughs> no i just love i love food i love all things Fair. food so yes of course i love cooking shows <laughs> um but i was watching the alton brown i'm gonna bring this around watch so i was watching the alton brown hot ones and the guy, Sean Evans, was like, how did you get into, like, what happened to the Food Network? Like, what was going on that all of a sudden there was all this stuff with food? And he was like, it was after 9-11. Everybody wanted to watch something comforting. And they didn't want to watch anything that was, like, you know, going to make them feel too many feelings. So they all, everybody started turn- tuning into the Food Network. And I just liked watching the Food Network because I wanted to learn how to, like, be a better cook and stuff. Um, but... That's really interesting. Definitely. I love, yeah, I know. I love Ina Garden and I love Alton Brown and uh, Great British Bake Off with Pollywood. Um, and then, did you just say Pollywood? Uh, guys, <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and then the Try Guys have uh, a series called Without a Recipe where they make something they've never made before without a recipe, which is mm, very chaotic. <laughs> and I just watch all things Try Guys. So. Um, those are mine, and I'm sure I'll remember some as we keep talking. What about you? Nice. Uh, well, I avoid cooking shows, <laughs> uh, <laughs> generally, which, uh, so just to give anybody background, if this is the first episode you've listened to, uh, I am a cook. I've been a cook for over a decade. I mostly worked on tall ships, uh, traditional sailing ships, and, and I, and I have worked in, like, some big production kitchens as well. Um, so I don't have the, like, traditional restaurant, but I do have a lot of cooking background. Um, I don't really watch cooking shows generally because of the drama because it seems like it's a lot more about the drama and a lot, lot less about the food. Uh, but I did watch some more cooking shows in preparation for this. I had seen some before. Um, generally I'll say the ones I heard the most about were great British bake off and chopped. 
Um, those are the ones that people kept telling me, oh my God, you have to watch this. You have to watch this. You have to watch this. Um, to the people who told me that about Chopped, I don't understand that because um, <laughs> it's just not my thing. No. Nope. Uh, but uh but to the people who said Great British Bake Off, yes, you were right. And it took me several years to come around. Um, <laughs> and I think I only ended up watching it because Chris wanted to watch it. And then I ended up really liking it. So, so, so Great British Bake Off, I've watched, I've watched Chopped. I, I wasn't particularly taken with it. I'm not like mad at it, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I watched a couple shows the other day just to like get an idea. I watched some. I think I started to watch MasterChef, but it like was glitchy or something. But I watched um, Iron Chef. I watched the the first ever episode of Iron Chef, which is very dated, and it's it's kind of hilarious in a lot of ways. Uh, that one was actually pretty cool because they like had them experience being a line cook for those of them who hadn't done that, mm. and that was kind of cool to watch. It looked like they were more interested in like the way things uh, function in a kitchen as opposed to just like, you know, the big personality and the plated meal. But yeah. So, so I watched that and I watched another one that has been recommended to me a lot uh, called Cutthroat Kitchen, um, which I Snapchatted you about and I did not like it. Um, I was fully expecting to hate it and I did. <laughs> I'm not food is so important to me <laughs> and watching shows where it's like you're making food in this stressful environment i know that's what it's like to be a line cook mm-hmm. and stuff but like when i'm watching somebody make food and it's like you're putting stress into like making the dish like that that's not what i want to give people like i like great british bake-off because you can tell they're doing it out of a place of like love and like they love what they're doing and it's very calm and serene and like very zen and i don't like watching reality tv because it's so much drama and it stresses me out because i'm i'm empathetic through the tv where i'm like i don't like feeling like this so yeah. when i'm watching great british bake-off i can like get to a point where i'm like they're just editing this to make it look very stressful this isn't how it actually went down. It's and funny to, like, to think that about Bake Off is like, it's so tame compared to some of the other ones. Oh my God. Oh, have you seen Cutthroat Kitchen at all? I don't, I can't. I can't don't watch, watch those shows okay. too anxious. Um, so, so don't watch it, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the episode that I watched later on and, um, and get <laughs> an idea of what it's like, but I, I would not recommend mm-hmm. that you watch it. Um, I'm not saying that oh. anyone who does watch it is like, is like, shouldn't be, or that it's a bad show or that Alton Brown's a bad guy or anything. Um, but, uh, it's, it's not, it, it I, I just, it's not about food. Like at all? No, it's not. I mean, like food's there, but it's not about food, and so it's it's frustrating to see something like that. That's like a quote unquote cooking show that's like that. But I think there are reasons that people like it and that it's so popular, and and definitely something that I want to talk about in a little bit. Sorry, you, you know what like was my point. show growing up? Yeah, you know what was my show growing up when I was in like elementary school and middle school that I never really like told anybody or talked about because I thought I was a weirdo. That Ace of Cake show that was on with the Charm City Cakes in Baltimore with the big guy who looks like a hockey player, but he makes like these, like, it was the first show where he was like making these like very specialty cakes. Oh my God. I love the shit out of that show. That was a great, oh, I could watch Ace of Cakes all day long. (laughs) That was nice. So I like very like zen, like fun cooking shows. I'm not trying to watch somebody like get eliminated. 
I, I watched like a spooky episode of uh, Cupcake Wars once because it was like on YouTube or something. And I think they had like Eli Roth on as a guest judge. And I was like, that would be funny. So I would watch that. That was pretty cool, actually. Somebody made some Bloody Mary cupcakes. Um, yeah, it was very, I think she might have even won, which is like Bloody Mary. I don't understand how she made that new cupcake. I can't remember. But anyway, Skills yeah, I'm not here to second guess that. <laughs> but let's let's look at a little bit of history. Um, I'm going to go to a Word document so I won't be able to see your face for a minute or so, but I'll, I'll come back and forth. Um, so, okay. So let's talk a little bit about uh, cooking shows in the U.S. Um, cooking shows in the U.S., uh, historically before the 40s, they were usually on the radio. Um, so the, the first ever radio show was actually the debut of Betty Crocker. It was called the Betty Crocker Cooking School of the Air. Uh, it debuted wow. in 1924, uh, and it featured the fictional character Betty Crocker, which I, I knew that she was fictional, but I didn't, I didn't. realize that what? they... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, Betty Crocker wasn't a real person. I always thought it was just a brand, but apparently the brand goes, like, farther back than I realized, <laughs> so... But yeah, it was like it was like a, a a radio show about uh Betty Crocker telling you how to cook. So wow, yeah. So there are other radio shows like that um, up up through the twenties uh, and thirties, and then um, on August thirtieth, nineteen forty six, at eight fifteen p.m. The article I read is very specific. Um, <laughs> following the televised boxing matches. Um, James Beard had a television show that was called I Love to Eat, um, and it premiered on NBC. Um, it was the first national cooking show in television history. Um, yeah. So, uh, All right. so cool. that was James Beard. James Beard is a really cool dude. Um, his history is also really interesting. He like kind of hopped all over the place and did other stuff before. He was an actor. Um, he like went and studied overseas. Um, he also he was asked to leave the college that he was at because of homosexuality. Like literally, they were like, mm, "But can you can you go though?" Yeah, it like it's so fucked up. So like it, to me, that just made it even more cool that he was like, "Hey, bitch, I got a TV show!" Like in 1946. So anyway, little, yeah. little fun snippet of James Beard overcoming stuff. <laughs> I don't know a huge <laughs> amount of stuff about him, but the stuff I do know seems to be pretty positive. So I'm just hoping that that remains the same. But yeah, so so that was 1946. There was another thing that's like briefly mentioned in one source but i couldn't find any other info about it and it, it was something called sunday evening supper in 1940 which does predate uh james beard's i love to eat but i don't like there's no info about it so i don't really know uh what it was uh but uh can you uh can you guess like the next big name in tv cooking is in 1963 oh, Luna, Luna's claws caught in my necklace. Hold on. Luna. Okay. Um, oh, is it Julia Child? Yes, it's Julia Child. Yay! <laughs> yes, it's Julia Child in 1963. Uh, she came out with uh, her show and it was called The French Chef. Um, it was, yeah, it, it was still among the first. Uh, Julia Child, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, was the uh, author of Mastering the Art an of French Cooking. Icon. She's an American, yeah, <laughs> she's American, uh, American author and icon. Um, also very tall. 
uh, also worked for the department that predated the CIA, I believe. So that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, so so she had that show in 1963, and she was she was pretty cool, and, and audiences really kind of enjoyed her because she was trying to make it accessible to people. Like she wasn't trying to be someone who's like off in a in a tower being stared at and you know admired. She really wanted to make it accessible to the everyday home chef. So that was, was a cool thing about her show that people really liked. Um, then in 1973, there was a show called Frugal Gourmet. Um, it, I'm including it because like it did exist and, you know, there weren't that many back then, but I believe it was on public television. Um, so it was like Seattle public television, which isn't quite the same echelon as the French chef or I love to eat. So anyway, but that's in there. Uh, then in 1993, uh, Food Network was launched as a channel that was dedicated solely to programming relating to food. So Food Network comes out in 1993. Yeah, so Food Network came out and they really kind of pushed the idea of the celebrity chef, um, starting with uh, people like Gordon Ramsay and Tom Colicchio. Um, Tom Colicchio was behind, um, not Master Chef, Iron Chef. Um, like he was the main guy who started that. And Gordon Ramsay, as everyone knows, is like, you know, the sort of super famous blonde British quote unquote very sarcastically said bad boy chef um <laughs> although i 100 believe that he's just a regular dude who can cook really well and that the whole like asshole persona is a put on um i have many oh, opinions yeah. about so <laughs> so yeah oh so gordon ramsay like he's he's got a bunch of shows i'm not even gonna rattle them off because there's like there's so many of them um Oh, what's interesting about Gordon Ramsay and Tom Colicchio, um, and it, and it's kind of when you when you think about celebrity chefs, um, and then you think about chefs, and then chefs versus cooks. I think most people would assume that to call yourself a chef, you would have to go to cooking school. Um, that's a lot of people think that's the definition, and I suppose like I kind of fall somewhere in there too because I don't really call myself a chef, even though I I did have a, I mean I had a position where I was called a chef, like I but I didn't go to cooking school, but either did Tom Colicchio, um, either did Gordon Ramsay, um, either did a lot of TV hmm. personalities. Um, yeah, like like Guy Fieri, honestly, like I, I wasn't that surprised. He seems a little more self-taught just because of his like kind of freewheeling attitude. Um, I think Guy Fieri's great and I'm not like ragging on him. I'm just saying that like by his style, it doesn't surprise me. But someone like Gordon Ramsay did surprise me to find that out. He actually studied hotel management uh, and then he trained under a bunch of chefs which isn't it, that's not that uncommon for people to study hotel management and work in kitchens because they think like well i want to know all of the aspects of the thing i'm working for so it could be that he wanted right. to be like you know like a, like a hotel owner or whatever and then decided do i want to be a restaurateur like after working in the kitchen so that that's pure speculation on my part i could be wrong but but yeah so so that's an interesting thing about it because unlike someone like julia child uh they haven't gone to cooking school and so it's a little bit of a different thing because these celebrity chefs now are chefs who've come up in the kitchen rather than chefs who like were taught it in school and then went into the kitchens um which which is a difference and it's something that anyone who's worked in a kitchen with someone who's been to culinary school i i'm not ragging on culinary school i think it's a great thing 
Um, a lot of the people I've met who've been to culinary school who are very loud about it and really want to tell you about it are like the worst people to work with. Um, <laughs> I've also worked with people who've been to culinary school who were great, but I will say that there's a lot of cooks in the U.S. And a lot of them have not been to culinary school. <laughs> so it's not a requirement and it's not even, it's neither here nor there really. I just wanted to put that out there. To be a chef, you don't have to have gone to school for it. Like it's more about the quality of your food. And that's honestly why I really don't call myself a chef because like I'm not at the level that I think that I would consider a chef to be honestly, like, like not, at least not all the time, you know, like the, there were like the yeah. position I was in where I was called a chef, like there was some of it was fine cooking that I had to do, but a lot of it was people management. Um, so, so yeah, so I tend to call myself a cook, but Anyway, the difference is really weird, and I think it's mostly self-assignment or, like, what other people want to call you. Anyway, but so so Food Network comes out with their, their celebrity chef uh, being, like, I guess it's newer that there were so many because there were only a couple. And then suddenly with the Food Network, there was a lot of stuff going on. And um, apparently in the beginning, it was kind of shaky. They weren't sure if they were going to be able to function. They had like five shows. And like, apparently, uh, one of the hosts from them was like, yeah, there were no benefits. The pay was shit. It was terrible. There was no uh, like working oven on the set. Like, <laughs> yeah, she was oh, like, no. yeah, th it was really bad. And I wasn't sure if the network is going to work out but i did my best and and lo and behold they they moved on they did really well i wish i remembered who that was unfortunately i'm blanking on the name but it might have oh, been no <laughs> but I'll, I'll go back and look mm. that up in in post uh since i say that now <laughs> anyway <laughs> but um but yeah so so they really didn't start out super strong it was a risk but it has very much paid off uh, because they are incredibly popular. Uh, so I went looking to find out how many show, shows uh, Food Network actually puts out and I can't find it because there's just so many, like there's lists and lists and lists. So they have, they have lots and lots of stuff. They, they're their whole channel, you know, 24 hours a day. <laughs> um, and then they also have uh, the cooking channel, which I thought was its own thing. Like that's where there's Rachel Ray is on there and Guy Fieri um i can't remember who else but yeah there's but those are the like the big ones i believe and uh yeah that's the cooking channel and i thought they were separate things but they're not it was just food network was like we have so much stuff we need to start another channel <laughs> so yeah so they just have two channels i was gonna say something no i forget i feel like i would oh well if you think about it in terms of like 2021 cooking shows tasty could be considered a cooking show because it's a show that does show you how to cook stuff that's There's true just no I, suppose, talking. <laughs> I suppose most of what i was calling a cooking show is either like on cable or on the streaming services or like most of the things that i looked at i didn't really look at youtube for because there's a lot of stuff on youtube but also there's less like accountability and so, well i mean sometimes there's less accountability and sometimes there's not like it's just a more awkward thing so you know what sydney told me to check out was the salt acid fat heat one she said that was a good one to watch that she really liked. i've heard that one too i don't know if it's a there's another like one. an informative show i think so well okay so this is actually a good time to talk about the different styles of shows 
uh, so there's there's the cooking shows with um, like like the Julia Child and James Beard and all that, and then like when you get to you know people like Martha Stewart also did that. Rachel Ray like does that. Uh, just the shows where it's someone teaching you how to cook something like that's the kind of basic thing. And I can't say that I've watched many of those to be quite honest. Oh, like I love those shows. Yeah, like Emerald. Do you remember Emerald? That was a big thing. I I know who Back Emerald in, like, is. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. But like, so for those of you who don't know, Ina Garden is an icon who is this like stout lady who's just like got <laughs> somebody was talking about Ina Garden one time. They're like, yeah, Ina Garden and her gay husband. <laughs> and she's just always talking about like making dinner for I think her husband's name is like Jerry or something. She's got like all the stuff in her garden and they like make a big deal about her like going to the farmer's market. She knows everybody there and they're like, oh, hey, like, what are you getting today? And that's where the meme of store bought is fine comes from. <laughs> if you can't, if you Good can't vanilla. make your own serotonin. Jeffrey. If you can't, <laughs> Jeffrey, if you can't buy your, make your own serotonin, store bought is fine. Um, I can't make my own. But <laughs> not enough. Neither. So <laughs> so then she's just oh, but she's always making these like really good looking comfort foods. And she I think she was a cook in the White House. That's how she got this job. But she was like a big deal cook for like Reagan or something. And so she just has her own stuff. And she's like always smiling. And she's talking very low. And she's like, okay, and now we're going to like add the butter into the saucepan. You don't want it to be too like this, that, and the other thing. And everything she makes is looks so good. And then I also watched that Giada lady. Um, yeah, Giada dealer into Which my mom... Anytime I had her on, my mom was like, this lady is all teeth and all boobs. That's all she is. <laughs> and, but, like, she made it's this, like, it was, like, Italian cooking. It's not her fault, but, like, her, she, her kishkas were out a lot of the time. So, but my mom and I would watch it together, and she'd just make these, like, gorgeous, like, Italian platters. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm hungry. <laughs> The um the butternut squash recipe that I've I've made for you on numerous occasions is uh her that that's that's her recipe. It, it's a pared down version of her recipe. <laughs> but but yeah. That's shit. And actually yummy. I I use Ina Garten's marshmallow recipe. So I, I use I really oh like God. there's a lot of good recipes on Food Network. I just honestly don't watch a lot of cooking shows. Um, <laughs> but and then, maybe I should maybe I should then, watch more of those. Yeah. Oh, you know who I was not into was Paula Dean. <laughs> was not well. Not my not my. That's damn. fine. You're in good company. <laughs> Because apparently she's racist. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, Ina Garden, yes. Paula Dean, no. And yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should watch more instructional cooking shows. Because I, I really like, just- when I think of cooking shows, I think of competition shows. And I think that's because there are so many competition shows. But but there no, are I'm instructional not, no. ones too. You're, you're not into the competition shows at all? Cooking is not a competition. Cooking is self-care. <laughs> it should not be this intense, stupid thing that makes people cry. Yeah. Because you know yeah. everything they're making is, like, good and yummy and all this other stuff. So, like... Here's... Okay. Here's here's my take on this. 
when you are cooking professionally, if you if you care about the result, it's usually kind of always stressful, um, which which is like. I mean, you know, okay, like, like, it is what it is. Like, that's kind of the job. Like, you're always kind of competing. Like, and it's not, it doesn't have to be a horrible stress. A lot of people think it does. They think you have to work crazy hours. You don't. A lot, a lot of cooks and chefs are abused that way. Um, but mm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's not great. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it is, it can be a high stress job. And if you're cooking for a lot of people, like, you are kind of competing with, Especially if you're at a restaurant, you're competing with other restaurants. If you're at a convention center, you're competing with other convention centers, you know, like wherever you're doing cooking, you are competing with something else. And so making, I, I suppose it makes sense to do competition shows because it gives a higher stakes to it. But for me being someone who like, if I fuck up cooking, like there are real life consequences, it's not as fun to watch. Yeah. Like it, I'm just not as interested in seeing people pitted against each other because the best experiences that I've had in kitchens with more than one person, which like I've done a lot of solo cooking in various uh, like on boats and like the job I knew now do now is solo because it's I'm more of a support position to um, other people. But when I've worked with teams, like the best situation is when you're all working together, not when you're pitted against each other. And that's a lot of the time facilitated by energy from above. And if your chef's a dick, everyone else is going to be a dick. And I, I see a lot of that culture put forward in competition shows. And I really like, that's why I don't like to watch them is because it's really frustrating. So, so, so let's talk about cutthroat kitchen. Cause I had to watch it and it was horrible. <laughs> and I um, have feelings. <laughs> I have feelings. <laughs> I gotta calm down. Have, have a sip of seltzer here. Yes, I have feelings about Cutthroat Kitchen. Um, so I've been told by, like, I've been told by enough people that I don't know how many people it is uh, that I should watch Cutthroat Kitchen, and I think I, I don't know what to think about myself <laughs> when people. You know when people when someone recommends something and they're like, I just thought of you, and then you watch you like watch it or you like get that thing and you're like, Really? Like why? why? That's <laughs> not why. a good look. Um and it's like I can kind of understand it because there's a little bit of like, you know, um I don't know. It's it, there's a little bit of like shed and in it, like um, but taking pleasure in other people's pain. <laughs> Can I just, can um, I, can I say something real quick? Mm-hmm. Luna's just straight up licking the wall right now. Can you maybe not do that? You're nasty. <laughs> Stop. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Uh, so, so Cutthroat Kitchen uh, was, I mean, basically it's, it's a show where Alton Brown takes out all of his aggression on any young, cocky, asshole, wannabe chef that has ever come his way. Is how I interpret it. <laughs> because it seems like something you would only come up with if you were mad at the people who were going to apply. <laughs> like, like it really does. Like it's, it seems like something that like it attracts people like, okay, I watched one episode. Okay. And, and I don't think, I, I think it was, it was a randomly picked one. It wasn't one of the ones that was like, Oh, this is one of the best episodes. Horrible shit happens. Like I just randomly picked something Every single contestant when they came on um, was 
like at the very least like pretty cocky in a way that was like okay you're kind of a douche and like at the very most it was like i'd never want to watch this ever again i don't want to see your face which is why i snapchatted you like a minute in and i was like i already hate it (laughs) um it's just like the the energy they all brought in and the energy that i think they were probably encouraged to bring in is just so negative and so horrible and it's just like i'm the best and everyone else sucks like and at that point it's like it's not about cooking it's literally just about like you being whatever fucking cartoonish version of yourself you're presenting um so that's frustrating um but then the the basic premise is that alton brown like like auctions off these ways that they can um fuck up their opponent's lives um (laughs) you know they can do things like they can buy the exclusive use of salt no one else can use salt you know you could do that which is a fucked up thing you know you could do a thing like like someone has to walk on these cake boxes and so they'll have these cake boxes that i assume have something in them because they don't crunch when you walk on them but like you have to walk on those across the kitchen so you have to like carry these boxes around and like put one down step on it put another one down step on it like and it's funny to watch, but, like, it doesn't have anything to do with cooking. Yeah, I don't and, like it, that. But, but people get cut every round. So if you don't, like, play the game into it, you, like, I think one person maybe has come out with all of the money. Like, one spectacular person. But I didn't watch that episode because I was too annoyed with the series already. <laughs> but, like, it, yeah, it's stuff like that where, like, what are you doing? Like, they had one, uh, they had one challenge that was, like, make a steak dinner. And then the, um... And the, then the thing, one of the things they auctioned off was you can take these items and uh, trade out your opponent's steak for this stuff, and then you get all the steak. So literally, it's just like giving one person an edge. She actually didn't do a good job anyway, but that was interesting. Um, so like there was that. Uh, so so they had a thing that was like a steak dinner challenge, and like one of them didn't have any steak at all. He just had vegetables. Um, ironically, he ended up getting farther than the person who stole the steak, which is interesting. But, uh, like, there, there was a thing where, like, you had to use, um, the, these, like, mint chocolates as a part of the meal, like, not as a dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, which somebody tried to put, do as a meat sauce, and it was just terrible. Like, it's, it's stuff where, like, you're not even making food that's good enough for it to be worth it to have to be this inventive, I guess. Yeah. Like, like it, it really isn't about the food at that point at all, because you're not using the ingredients that you want to use. You're not using ingredients that make sense. Like it, you're just trying to make the best of a bad situation. Oh, the, oh, they did other things like, like two of them had to cook their, uh, uh, one of the meals over a sterno instead of on an, a stovetop. Like, What's the point? Like, what does that do? Like, why? I, I kind of feel like the only people who are going to do this are just going to be going to be just jackasses. I, I can't see anyone else who would apply to this. But anyway, so so that's Cutthroat Kitchen. A lot of people really like it. But what I would like to stress about it is like, it's really not a cooking show. Like, it's you're not going to learn anything from it. You don't really see that much food. And... A lot of it is just them trying to fuck up the contestants' lives over and over and over again. And like, I don't like sure, that. I don't it could like be that. fun to watch. I'm sure. I'm sure if I was in the right mood and I had like, like the last job I was at, I'm sure if I had come home and I was real pissed off at a couple of the people who I had been supervising, 
maybe I would have enjoyed watching that, but it wouldn't have been like useful to me or good for me. <laughs> so no. anyway, but if it's good for you, if you're the kind of person who can do that, then then sure. But oh my God. Yeah. Like, okay. It's, so it's, I, I don't, I, I consider that just a reality show where there's food. I don't consider it to be a cooking show. Yes. So on Great British Bake Off, what happens is when somebody gets stressed out, I think they did this in the first couple seasons. I don't know if they kept doing it, but the two ladies who were kind of like the talking heads. Mm-hmm. If somebody the, the was two getting, hosts, yeah, they did that in the. They would get yeah. when people would get stressed out and like started crying and stuff. They would go next to them and just say brand names, so they couldn't use the footage <laughs> in the. <laughs> whenever they cut it, they would be there Aww. going like. Pepsi, Coca-Cola, like all this other stuff so that they couldn't use footage of people crying, which was so nice. Oh, that's nice. awesome. That's oh so my great. God. So I know. that's, yeah. I, I, no, and no, and that was a great place to go because like Great British Bake Off is the antithesis of Cutthroat Kitchen in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So Great British Bake Off, I didn't watch for a couple of years because people... Because people had told me how much I would love Chopped and all that. And I was just like, you know what? I think I just, I'm just going to stick with like reading books and like looking up an instructional video if I need it. Like that, that'll be fine. Um, But I did end up watching Great British Bake Off with Chris. um, And I think it was only like two years ago, maybe. So like they had a lot on there and we marathoned it. (laughs) Um, It was, it was really it was really good. It was really good for my soul. I felt <laughs> to watch all of that mm-hmm. uh, because because that one actually is about the food at least most of the time. I do have some issues with them, which I will get into because if not now, when? <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but but I want to talk about the things I like first, so people don't think I'm just like bitching out about like every cooking show because <laughs> uh, because I'm not. Um, and I honestly really do like Great British Bake Off a lot. Um, I like the, oh, um, and there's a version called uh, in Canada that has, I think, three seasons with Dan Levy as one of the hosts. So <gasps> no, I have to go watch all of that. Um, yeah. Where is it? Where do I find it? I don't know. I don't, let me, oh, oh God. Oh, let me look it up. Let me look it up. How do I get these? <laughs> oh no. I oh, I'm so stressed out. Love Dan Levy so much. Me too. Oh my god! It was funny because I I knew I knew him from somewhere. Oh, there's four seasons. Um, where? Oh no! It's on CBC. We might not be able to watch it. Uh, um. Anyway. Anyway. Uh. Or well, actually, we might know people who can get around that with like VPNs or something. Great Rich Bake Off. <laughs> Uh, the Great British Bake Off, uh, which does have a counterpart with Dan Levy, which we're going to try to figure out how to watch. Um, the Great British Bake Off is a lovely show. Uh, it's usually done over the course of, I think it's 12 weeks. Maybe it's 10, 11, 12. It's, it's more than 10, but like not that many more. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, they take a batch of contestants, uh, every season and they have this tent that they go to it's this lovely little outdoor tent in the english um countryside or maybe it's just on a really nice golf course i don't know um i don't think they really say uh but anyway it's on the um it's on the english countryside um this uh this really pretty area and then they walk into this tent and there's like just the way it's done is so much different than american shows because there's no like 
there's no like chrome and the sound of knives and like you know people fire. taking these like yeah yeah like like a burst of fire before you see a contestant come up in their most like aggressive pose like no it's just like all of them like in aprons all walking together and like chatting as they go up to the tent and and like <laughs> uh, the cutscenes aren't like being like we're gonna do this now dun, dun, dun. it's like bunnies and like and a there's creek and there's nearby there's sheep. Yeah, like, like, a lot of the time there's sheep there, and there's also, like, the really, like, even their stressful music is very gentle. It's like, like... Da, 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 da. <laughs> and then also, everybody's always drinking tea, which is, I can't watch it without having a cup myself, because I'm like, oh, now I want tea. These guys, look look at them, just drinking tea in the yeah. English countryside, and they making also... some bread. <laughs> I and, and And they're not just... Okay, it's not just, like, English people are just, like, nicer than Americans or anything. It is the structure of the show because, like, it's more about the actual cooking of the food and, like, who the people are as people. Like, not as, you know, this, like, stereotype of whatever it is. Like, it, like, it is really cool to see people who are, they're encouraged to be like courteous to each other um i don't think they have a cash prize which probably helps with the being courteous um i am not sure i'm not sure what like like the opponent gets or not the opponent sorry the winner gets uh this the cake stand that says great british bake-off and they you know obviously get all the recognition and i think that that probably opens up enough doors especially in england because it's a smaller country than the u.s so like i think it might function differently um, where they don't need to win a lot of money to like have really good results from that. I, I'm not sure of that. Um, and please, anyone correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time I looked at it, it did look like there wasn't really a cash prize or anything associated with that. And then I do think they get reimbursed if they need to buy anything to practice. So it's not like they're spending all the, their own money on that. That's also the difference is this is a show encouraging perfecting your skill because they have mm-hmm. like a week in between where they go home and they know what's coming next yeah. and they can practice it and they get to like make the recipe in their own kitchen and like figure out how they want to do it. Like it's a show that's actually cultivating, like trying to be better yes. at this skill instead of trying to be the best on a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not giving you, you know, okay, it's two hours and you're going to find out what it is and then you have to make it within two hours. It's like you find you have to do your signature dish and you know what that is. That'll be on the first day. And so you can practice all of that. And then there's the showstopper one and you know what that is. You can practice it. And like, they're not like, especially as they move onward and get more difficult, like they're not easy challenges necessarily, like, but they are they are fair because they give them a yeah. lot of time to practice. Well, so they'll you don't do see, you don't see a huge amount of crashing and burning. Right. And they'll do the technical challenges where it's like, they don't know what's coming, but it's like in the vein of the stuff that they've already been working on. However, however, this, this is where I, I do want to call out great British baking show because like their technicals used to be like fairly decent um, in the earlier seasons, but I think it's just because they don't want to repeat themselves or something, but they're getting way far out there to the point where it doesn't make any sense. 
Um, like, because the, the reason they're doing the technical and the reason they don't tell them what it is, um, whereas they're telling them what everything else is, the reason they don't tell them about the technical is because they want to test their general baking knowledge. So it's like the skills you have, you know, there are certain skills that you should have, like, like as, as someone who at, like as a baker, like I can look at a recipe and I know what order to put the ingredients in. I know, like, you know, I have to cream the butter with the sugar first and like all these kinds of things. And so that's what they're testing. Like, do you know this process? Like, can you laminate this dough? Can you, whatever it is. But if you're choosing something where they don't know what the end product's even supposed to look like, that to me, like, eh, that's questionable. You know, I think, I think if it's something where like, where, where like they don't necessarily know what it looks like, cause maybe it's an older style dessert, but it's all skills they should have, then maybe show them a picture and then be like, okay, but like, these are all the skills you need to do to do this. Like, I think that would be fair. I also think that like, like, you just can't go out and pick like random, really <laughs> weird shit that people haven't heard of. Um, I, I, I was thinking about it today. And I'm like, what could they do, though, if they don't want to repeat themselves? And I thought, well, but wait, wait, what if they repeat themselves, but they like use particularly like outstanding technicals? And then they bring back that contestant that won that technical or something, you know, just to be like a guest judge with them. It'd be like a fun surprise. Mm -hmm. I think that would be fine because then you can take something like simple that you did before and be like, here, you have to do this simple, basic thing and you have to do really, really, really well because, you know, you're here. Yeah. And and I, I think that there's something to be said for like doing simple things really, really well, which is something they actually talk about a lot. So I get frustrated when I see their like technicals getting like super weird and out there because yeah. I think it kind of defeats the purpose. But like you said, with everything else, they let them practice. And I think that's really good because then you are testing yourself rather than, yeah. you know. And then also... Paul Hollywood, or Pollywood, as Claire likes to call him, <laughs> um, he is such a hard ass on the show. Like, he's the person that you want to impress. And he is so tepid compared to, like, Gordon <laughs> oh, yeah. Ramsay putting sandwich bread between somebody's face and saying, what are you? An idiot That's sandwich. why Gordon Ramsay's way more popular in America. <laughs> I know. But, like, he went over watching Break Up. I'm like, God, Paul, like, just... Can you, like, calm down for a second? And then, but I remember, like, the other people who are in America, and I'm like, oh, he's fine. <laughs> like, it's him and Mary Berry, who also, by the way, loves when alcohol is involved in anything. Or um, um, Prue Leith in the later episodes, who also yeah. loves when alcohol is involved in anything. So, yeah. you know, works Which out. One of them, one of them really likes when something is, like, really sweet, and the other one doesn't. I think Paul doesn't like sweet stuff, but it's just, like... I think so. Paul's Paul's pretty picky. Paul also, there was one other thing he just really didn't like. And I was like, well, you can't grade them down for you not liking that thing. I can't remember what it was, though. My but. favorite thing is whenever something looks really bad and then they eat it and they're like, okay, wait, actually, this is really yummy. Like, And then the person's like, that's good. I also, I was watching, there was a point where I think I was like feeling a little depressy spaghetti and I was watching this a lot and Griffin didn't really want to watch it, but I would have it on. We have small apartments usually. So he would hear it and then he'd be like, oh, I'm absolutely gutted. <laughs> or when I'm like, oh, they say other stuff. Oh, what's the other phrase they everybody do. says? No, but that's what they say when, when they have to leave. Everyone is like, oh, gutted. I'm just gutted. <laughs> Oh, this is absolutely atrocious. <laughs> they like yeah. say something, but, where they're but like, of course, like, 
like the thing Paul Hollywood said was like, it's overbaked, like that, <laughs> like yeah. or like you overwork the dough, you know, like it's yeah. something really. Like, yeah, he says it with like a steely stare and everything, but like mm-hmm. still, he's he's not being an overbearing asshole about it. Like well, they actually are, like they respect their contestants. I feel like in a way that other shows don't so much, and it like it really frustrates me. Whenever uh, I make like pancakes or waffles or bread or something, I'll ask Griffin because I'm bad apparently at like seeing when things are not cooked all the way. (laughs) So I have to have Griffin check it and he'll be like, "Mm, that's raw. Don't eat that. Mm, Mary, don't eat that. That's raw. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever Paul Hollywood like sticks his finger in something, he's like, "Mm, no, that's raw. Don't eat that. (laughs) What a savage. (laughs) Oh, they say something else. There was a meme that I saw where somebody it was a somebody on Great British Bake Off and the text said, "Fuck, what did it say? I have to look it up." <laughs> Damn it! The text said, "Fuck." <laughs> I have to look it up. Anyway, it was like a meme where it was like it had a poem at the beginning. It was like roses are red, the day is long, and then the person says, "Decisions, decisions, all of them wrong." <laughs> decisions decisions, all of them wrong the one time griffin Griffin, like started watching it with me he 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 found a favorite and then the favorite got eliminated and he was (gasps) robbed never for sure and then he never wanted to watch it with me again (laughs) i was like okay he got so invested for like five episodes and he was like i'm out Liam was robbed. <laughs> All right, Griffin. I got, I got uh, on the recent, like you do get really invested in it, even though it's such a sweet and gentle show. Like you get so yes. invested. I, I was so, okay. Oh, there was, there was one whole season where Chris got like increasingly frustrated with this one contestant. And like, I was frustrated too, but he was comically frustrated with it. <laughs> But, like, this one contestant who kept, like, almost getting eliminated and then saving her wait, ass at the last wait, minute. Wait, 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 wait. Is this the blonde lady who was not good no. and kept getting by on technicalities? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because she robbed No, she wasn't blonde. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. She, was, she wasn't blonde. There was another one. Um, I can't. I can't it, it was someone who made it to the final, too. But it was, like, she kept bombing and then and, and then somehow would, like, get it together for, like, right. the showstopper. Um, I think she kept doing badly in technicals, maybe. I don't know. But, like, but anyway, like, there was there was one season where Chris just got, like, more and more frustrated with this person. <laughs> and, like, it, it, it wasn't the champion, but it was it was pretty funny to watch that. Um, and then she, she really did an amazing showstopper at the end, though. Um, <laughs> but... I can't remember her name and it doesn't help to drag someone because I'm not saying nice things about her. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. The time that I got really upset most recently at Bake Off, because there's been a couple times, but I, I got upset because they they kept on rowing on the last one. Did you watch the last season? I've watched like a season and a half. So I haven't like oh, actually okay. watched a whole lot of it because if I'm I've watching so Bake Off, I'm probably not feeling great. And so I, th- so I guess it's a good thing I haven't watched it in a while, but like I was watching it a lot in 2018, 2019, okay. 
but I haven't. Okay, that gone makes back sense. Okay, so 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 Chris and I that this is one of our like couple shows that we watched together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so we've seen all of it that's on Netflix. We even like tried to go back and find some of the earlier ones, but like the first couple seasons are like really silly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of before they knew what the show was, and they were trying to be like a traveling show and move around to different cities. It was very weird. Um, but uh, but so there've been there've been a couple different changes in like so like the host the comedians um mel and sue um ended up leaving the show after several seasons um but then they got sandy togsvig and noel fielding who are also very good comedians both of them people that i love (laughs) yeah old greg exactly it was it was kind of a weird pick for them but it worked out really well he's very sweet on the show (laughs) i'm i'm he, so Sandy Togsvig left and Matt Lucas, it was on the last season. I'm not quite so sure how I feel about him. Sometimes he was great. Sometimes it was weird. So I don't know about the, having the two dudes as the comedians. But anyway, yeah. but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but uh, I like I'm reserving judgment for Matt Lucas. But then also, so the original hosts, Paul Hollywood and uh, Mary Berry. Paul Hollywood is still there. Uh, Mary Berry also did leave the show and Prue Leith has taken her place. Um, and I know there's drama associated with that stuff, but I'm just like going to blow right past it because I, I just don't. Dang. I don't want to associate drama with the Great British Bake Off. And maybe that's selfish, but that's that's where I'm going to be. Uh, so <laughs> I need to keep so anyway. that show as wholesome and pure as I possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so there's so there've been a couple shifts in things. Um, the last uh, th- this last season, um, there is this character called Rowan who's a super sweet guy, and he like I feel like he went into it knowing like he wasn't gonna last a super long time and was kind of fine with it. Like he was very. He was very sort of sweet and whimsical, but kept running out of time on everything. And like that that's a thing that bothers me a lot as a person who's managed people in kitchens. I'm like, if you keep being late, you have to figure out how to not be late or you're not going to have a job. Like it's just, it's so frustrating to like, you know, to have someone who just can't manage time. Um, yeah. And I've realized recently that part of the reason it frustrates me so much is that like, I think I'm honestly better at managing time than I am at cooking. Like, <laughs> um, or, or, or like that the reason I've done well is because I'm maybe just a little bit better at the time management and as good at the cooking as other people. I like, I'm not sure. I wonder so. if we looked at your full astrological chart, if you don't have a Virgo hanging out in there somewhere, because sometimes you say things about your organization and like <laughs> a little bit of your type A personality. And I'm like, this sounds like what I should be like as a Virgo. <laughs> well, it, it only manifests in certain ways. And it's like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's usually manifests around things where I'm like nervous that I won't be able to get everything done. And so I like have to be efficient in order to make it work. Um, time management's a really big deal. And this guy, Rowan, had like none of it. And he's a very yeah. sweet guy. But I kept getting really annoyed and being like, he's he's got to it, it it can't be anyone else like this has to be him unless someone else like majorly fucks up and then there was another person who like did i don't know if it was even worse than him or if it was just like the same amount but like she got cut instead and i got so mad i was just like it, it no lottie was robbed like <laughs> she should have been on for one more week and they were pen- they were like penalizing her because like because some people on the internet were saying that like she was being flirty with Paul Hollywood and that was why she was getting ahead. And I was like, no, she's just a person who 
she had like this nagging personality who basically was like, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks, but like, but I, I do obviously like, and I'm gonna <laughs> like this, this, this weird situation where it's kind of like, um, like an April Ludgate a little bit, I would say like, she's like, oh. like, it, it was like a nervous, like nagging habit, like rather than like, I, I honestly don't think she was trying to flirt at all. But like a lot of right. the internet thought that and I, I think that that got to the show and that they were like, we kind of need to get this away. Like to not make it a dramatic thing, so I I think she was cut because of sexism. Um, not, and I don't think that Paul Hollywood did that. I think that no. I think that they were maybe like encouraged to cut her, but I have no proof of that. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> go ahead. Conspiracy theory about that. I'm gonna apologize to our listeners if you hear like background metal noises. Luna's trying to eat empty tin cans that food came out of, like her cat food. She's. She's being a scavenger. You're being a scamp today. Okay? Anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I yeah, That's so- the show that I'll watch if I'm having self-care time. I'll put it on, on my iPad and, like, get in the bathtub. And I'll just watch Great British Bake Off. <laughs> it's, it's a very... It's a very soothing show. And, I, and I'm someone who really likes baking. And I've done a, a lot of it for a lot of people. And I've done it as a job. But watching Great British Bake Off is still really fun. <laughs> so so yeah um oh i i did want to um so i did want to i wanted to bring up just a silly thing about paul hollywood that's kind of associated with cooking shows uh but it's just because he's on one but it was something came out in the news that his ex-girlfriend said recently that he ate wonder bread all the time um and it was like oh no like it was a big scandal but as a cook i looked at that and i was like yeah of course he does because all cooks eat trash food sometimes at least <laughs> because no, because it's like, it, like if all food is available to you in general because of your job or like most food, you know, like fine food, yeah. crappy food, like all kinds of food, it all kind of like gets to the point where like, if you have a lot of it in front of you, it's no longer impressive to have like the really good stuff there. So then you're like, well, what one do I really like? You know, I've seen a lot of people at the end of the day when I'm like, Hey, we just served all of these meals and we have five leftover filet mignon dinners and two kids meals and people will fight over the kids meals, the chicken tenders and fries, because they're like, Uh, no, I really like chicken tenders. Yeah. How many? And I, and I've eaten enough leftover filet mignon to know that I like it better. And the thing is like, I like filet mignon better, but you do, you <laughs> so how many times did i pick you up from but, work but, in 2019 that summer when you would come out with like lamb legs for me <laughs> be like do you want this i'd be like <laughs> yes <laughs> well and and that was always after like just just so my my former employer knows that's always after other people had a shot it was literally like leftover stuff oh like so i would Sorry. just be like yeah we just didn't have no, no, it's fine. I don't work there anymore. Um, <laughs> and, and it was like it was like a couple of little things. And also the, the rule is you can't take things without your supervisor's approval. But I was a supervisor, so whatevs. Anyway, but yeah, no, I'd come out with like the, the pistachio crusted lamb and like that stuff. Because I'm like, I, people, <laughs> I don't know. This is just like people eat enough fine fancy food as leftovers and stuff that eventually like they just sometimes don't pick it because... 
it all kind of gets to be not the same, but it's all at the same level. It's all an option, yeah. I guess, you know? So it's like, like, I've also seen people be like, nah, it's okay. I don't think I'm going to have the leftover, like, surf and turf for, like, whatever the meal is. And they're like, I'm going to go to Wendy's instead, <laughs> you know? Hey, Which, like... Hey man, like if if that's what you want at the end of the day, that's what you want. So I so I just want to bring that up about Paul Hollywood because I have like a small platform to stand on to say, hey, <laughs> you can't make fun of him about that because I guarantee you that's like ninety nine percent of cooks in the world. You know, <laughs> you know what? Okay, so I was thinking the other. I was thinking today about wedding stuff and how I'm gonna have to get my nails done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I oh, do you want me to make your cake? I can cut that. We, we, we can talk about it afterwards. But um, I was thinking about like how you and I would go get our nails done and then we go get Chipotle and then we go see a movie and we'd have like a girl's Tuesday and just get like, or we'd go get Moe's and get like really shitty food and then go sit in the theater and be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're here without our boyfriend. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Sometimes I feel like, okay, I don't think Griffin listens to the podcast, but I'm going to say this anyway. Sometimes I feel like I'm also very in love with, like, my lady friends. Like, I literally call Katie my high school <laughs> sweetheart. And, like, you're just, like, my wife in general. Because <laughs> like, w- there was a whole summer where we were just, like, together all yeah. the time. And we then, were together all the time. And then over quarantine, like, you were one of the few people that I, like, got to hang out with. Yeah. Because you I mean, we were for quarantined me. for, like, a week together at one point. Yeah. Was it a week? Or was it just, like, It felt like a days? week. <laughs> It was a long time. It was a well, long we time. We also didn't get to have our partners and yeah. 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 And we just watched a lot of scary movies and had donuts and. Oh, donuts. Yeah. Yeah. We Chris just, got me I, donuts for Valentine's Day. I was like, thank you oh, so much. You love donuts. I love donuts. I, I like, see, I, I like some healthy food. I like some, some really like fine food that's really like expensive and hard to make. And I also like some food that's really like common and kind of trashy. And hey man, that's fine. <laughs> so, Everybody knows. Anyway, let let Paul Hollywood have his Wonder Bread. <laughs> I will do most anything for Alfredo. <laughs> I we have an we have an Italian restaurant right around the corner from us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bitch, I I just love pasta so much. <laughs> um. I, I do have one more anecdote about the cooking and food shows in general. Um, okay. Th- I mean, like, this has been more of like a <laughs> sort of our. This is you and I and talking. <laughs> yeah. But I do have one more, one more thought about that. So, uh, and this is along the line with Gordon Ramsay's whole act being a put on. Um, so, I, the show Kitchen Nightmares, have you ever seen that? No, but uh, that's one of the things that keeps coming up on Griffin's Facebook watch, and he'll just watch it so I can hear it. I've heard a lot of it, and uh, he'll show me random clips, and I'm pretty sure that's where that clip came from of Gordon Ramsay, where he feeds the dog something, and then he thinks the dog is dead, and he checks the breathing. He's like, don't leave me, girl, (laughs) which I think is hilarious. That is funny. That's true. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, So did you know that you've eaten... At a restaurant that was on Kitchen Nightmares? What? You have. I'm not going to say what restaurant it is. Okay, I'll tell you, but I'm going to bleep it out. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was California. <gasps> I took her friend I went for Valentine's Day. She had really good <laughs> lamb. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so this place is on Kitchen Nightmares. It, 
Okay. Sorry. Sorry. So, so th- I, I did watch this episode of Kitchen Nightmares. It's it's generally not something I'm like attracted to anyway because I'm like uh, I don't I don't really want to watch kitchens being a nightmare. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. So so they were on that and like primarily like so so people always ask about that show like why would anyone even want to be on that show the answer is money because usually their businesses aren't doing that well so like i don't actually know if they get paid to be on there but like they get like redesigning of their restaurant they get professional advice they get a lot of like help because it it, the show does like they do know that if the restaurant then immediately closes like it doesn't necessarily make them look good um so, so like the show is trying to to help these people but they're doing it in like the most dramatic way possible so basically what you're signing on for is like they'll make you look really bad (laughs) like they'll make your business look really terrible they'll make everything look dramatic but you have a much bigger chance of surviving whatever economic thing you're going through if you do that because of all of the influx of people you'll get afterwards because they want to say they went to the place that was on the show etc you know all that stuff so so this place was on there and I actually, I had been there before that. Um, I won't say that I went there a lot and I, I didn't eat there a huge amount and the stuff that I did eat because I was a vegetarian um, in this place, like they had a lot of meat dishes. They had some vegetarian too, but I tended on the safe side. So I had like, I had some very basic stuff. So I, I didn't really have any sense of what their food was like. It was just like where we would all go hang out after work and go like yeah. have beers and stuff. So like right there. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It was it was like right at the top of a dock from a boat that I was working on. Um, so yeah, so we'd go up there and um, and anyway, so like uh, I we noticed the one year that they were like completely remodeled, and it was actually like our friend who's the manager who worked there who's like, oh yeah, we're on Kitchen Nightmares, and and he and he like told us all about that, and he was like like yeah, like we we did it because we wanted to get the restaurant remodeled and all that, and like you know it's going to be a big deal. And of course, they created some family drama and he was like nah that really wasn't a big deal and he was like yeah at one point gordon ramsay like just came up and was like stop yelling at me and i was like i wasn't talking (laughs) oh my god yeah so like they they did film things to just make it look really dramatic and and i'm like you know Reality TV is the opposite of reality. Nothing, everything on that is fabricated. There's nothing there. Yeah, I, I, I believe. Okay, and so the thing that I think is really funny about that is like that also then made me think of Anthony Bourdain writing about Gordon Ramsay. Oh my god! Because Anthony Bourdain's take on it is like, yes, this is completely an act because if you look at his staff retention like at the the people who've actually worked like with him specifically like when when he was running kitchens and stuff mm-hmm. um apparently he had really good retention um huh. like and y- you get a lot of people quitting if you're an asshole like even if you're a well-respected asshole you'll still get a lot of people quitting um but you know if you're just putting that on and you're actually like a decent dude in real life which like you know you see all these stories of like oh when gordon ramsay had a moment when he was nice and i'm like no it's probably like that's just who he is and he's putting the rest of it on right because if you see him interacting with kids and stuff like or people with like ptsd and stuff like there's been some times where he's like noticed something different was going on i guess and like this you can look that kind of stuff up and like there's times when he's been really sensitive in a way that you're like yeah they had a blind lady come on and he like took the time to describe everything to her in a way that was like Mm -hmm. you know oh my god 
It's interesting because I think that he's kind of trying to have it both ways, but like, hey man, come on. if it's paying the bills, yeah, that's if, true. If he's taking <laughs> care a lot of, of his money family like this, like if he's able to make a difference because he has to yell at people, yeah. then like. And then also, <laughs> that means he doesn't have to be nice when he meets people on the street. He can just be an asshole. <laughs> that's true. Ooh. That's amazing, actually. That, ooh, I wonder if Gordon Ramsay just really, like, like he kind of, like, likes the celebrity, but he likes to be able to control the narrative and he doesn't yeah. want to talk to people on the street. Because, like, if people are just like, oh, my God, call me an idiot sandwich, like, that has to be, like, a great... right. I mean, like, I, I, I would I would have that kind of fame. That would be fun. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. No, I get you. I get you, Gordon. It's a I protection thing, probably, for, like, him. Um, ooh. But while we're also talking about um, people doing nice things, we, we've, we've dedicated some time to Gordon Ramsay, and, like, we're actually, like, <laughs> like, 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 we don't hate him. It's fine, but we're moving on. Um, but I just wanted to mention Guy Fieri, because I only mentioned him, like, one time before, and I haven't watched his like grocery whatever thing i don't know really what that is um so the competition show that he does um and he does do one i haven't seen but the show that he does diners drive-ins and dives is one of my sister's favorites um that i wanted to put on here because i know she listens to the podcast and so monica i want to make sure you got that shout out um to your fave but also uh guy fieri has been like huge in donating like raising money for lots of different causes. Um, there's like, seriously, like look him up. He's awesome. And then go watch Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives. And you can feel totally good about watching the show about like fast food and, you know, like all this stuff. That's not like the fine cooking that yeah. like maybe foodies would look down on you for watching, but it's, you know, it's a really good person who's done a lot of good stuff. So do you know what my father-in-law does? He, so he was, uh, he used to be a cook, and so that's what he did. He, like, worked mm. at Chi-Chi's back in the day. So he really likes, like, the cooking channel and all this stuff, but that, that means Griffin does not. <laughs> um, but he, whenever he goes to travel to a new place, he looks up where Guy Fieri went on diners, dive-ins, and drives, and is like, okay, that's where we're going to go eat. <laughs> like, he, it, it's like a travel thing for him. And it's a lot of like, stuff that's, like... Yeah, it's he, way more accessible to normal people because it's not the fine dining stuff that's incredibly expensive usually. Like usually yeah. they are things like a diner. Yeah. <laughs> he So, can I do my shout out for this week? Mm-hmm. We're probably wrapping up soon. Yeah, yeah, I think we're wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh Kellyo's Diner in Pittsburgh is a place that Guy Fieri went and then also a place that Jason Momoa went whenever he was filming something in Pittsburgh, which I'm so bad that I never got to meet Jason Momoa in Pittsburgh, but I'll get over it eventually. And then also um, Pamela's in Pittsburgh. Mm, they got they got these like, it's like a cross between a crepe and a pancake, but they're like crispy on the outside and you get some strawberries on them. I'm going to get emotional if we keep talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> I love your pancakes so much. Uh, I like how you made it 10 seconds and now you're like (laughs) wiping your eyes. It's such a nostalgia. That's where we bring everybody. President Obama ate there and there's a picture of it in Michelle's book of them eating in Pamela's. Oh my God. It's just like, that's where you go. That's where I want to go whenever I go to Pittsburgh. I want to go to the strip and I want to go to, it's a strip district. It's not like a red light district. It's just called like the road. I don't know if Mm -hmm. other people know that, but you go to Pamela's or you go to Primanti's. Or you go to Kellyo's and then you go walk around the strip and get some football memorabilia. <laughs> if you're in my family. <laughs> so that's my shout out is all the diners in the strip district. 
Oh, no, I didn't think of shout-outs. <laughs> Pollywood. <laughs> uh, I didn't think of shout Oh, okay. Yeah, let me... Yeah, I can shout-out, actually. There's... Uh, since we haven't really talked about the books that some of these celebrity chefs have written, maybe I'll shout out about that. So, um, yeah, so we're kind of like wrapping up the talking about actual cooking. Shows <laughs> at this point. But, uh, but yeah, so I tend to read a lot of food writing, um, which I know you read some food writing as well, um, which for our listeners is basically like that's near the cookbooks, there'll be a considerably smaller section mm-hmm. uh, that is called food writing. And that tends to be books that are by cooks about food. And they aren't necessarily, they, some of them don't have any recipes at all. Some of them have recipes at the end of every chapter, but usually like it's a story about people cooking or like a memoir or something like that. Um, I would highly recommend those, especially if you're someone who's interested in cooking. Um if you're someone who wants to cook for a living, I would really recommend reading Anthony Bourdain, particularly because a lot of that's about yeah. like line cook and stuff. Kitchen Confidential, like he did kind of look out back on it and say like, oh, I was kind of an arrogant prick when I wrote that. But, you know, it's like a it's book. still a good book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still a really, really good book. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Anthony Bourdain really created kind of an accessibility to like what the life of a chef could look like uh you know some of the things to watch out for obviously he was a celebrity as well so like you know there's that but like his books are really really good and that's also kind of what brought him to prominence was his writing and then he got on tv um he's been on the travel channel on netflix um you know before before his death he did a lot of really really awesome stuff um and he will be sorely missed so i just want to talk about him um the reason i haven't talked a lot about him on this episode is because his cooking his shows i wouldn't say are necessarily cooking shows like he'll go play they're like travel travel shows shows. yeah yeah like they're food shows definitely but it's like food travel shows but definitely watch his shows read his books they're really great um ruth reichel is also really great she was the uh new york times food reviewer food critic uh for a long time and she was actually famous for dressing up in costumes when she went to uh like not not like a wonder woman costume but like um like a convincing like different person costume oh because she didn't want to be recognized a disguise sorry (laughs) a disguise i forgot the word for disguise a different person costume Well, I'm not cutting that out. <laughs> so she's in her different person costume, otherwise known as a disguise. Uh, she's in her disguises uh, in order to go to these restaurants and find out how she's going to be treated if she's not oh, a restaurant that's so critic. Smart. Yeah. Yes. So there's like like one of them. She's like. She's like, well, I have a kid, so I'm going to go in there and be like, we're going to be like the family with the little kid and see how we get treated. Nice restaurant. And she like did her makeup different and I think like put on a a different colored wig and like they went there to see how they'd be treated if they had like this little kid with them because people with little kids don't tend to be treated as well in fine dining establishments. (laughs) Um, Also, right. Uh, she did one where she like went to, I, I wish this, this had all happened in the age of YouTube. Cause there would have been some great videos coming out of this. Um, but it was 
um, alas, uh, much before then, but, uh, but she and her mom's friend once went out to, to eat and she actually dressed up as an old lady. Like she had someone do like, like old lady makeup on her and they like, they like seated, I think they seated them in a really shitty place. Like they were like right next to the bathroom or something. Like they didn't really treat them very nicely. And she was like, huh, very interesting to know how this restaurant treats two old ladies, you know? So, uh, so she's really cool to listen to because she, really like cares more about the food than about like the hoity-toityness of it but she talks about fine dining so it's a really cool kind of mix of that um fine dining for the unpretentious i would say and uh yeah yeah so so she's pretty good there's a lot of others that i'll probably post on the website when i get around to updating that because i haven't updated that in a little bit um sorry to anyone who's gone there looking for stuff i haven't put up yet but yeah, i'll probably put more books up there but anthony Bourdain and ruth reichel are the ones that i really really like for food writing yeah. Also, um, and for shows, Great British Bake Off. Yes. Can't beat it. If you're looking for an escapist food book about the food you can eat in Greece, <gasps> yes. you need to read Christopher Bakken's Honey Olive's Octopus. That's my professor That's really from Allegheny. He writes about where we... I went to study abroad in what's basically his second home. I gave it to Rosie to read because we're both... We have mm-hmm. the same book taste where it's either female comedians nonfiction mm-hmm. travel writing or food <laughs> so i gave her this oh, book i'm reading we one were... of memory hearts books <laughs> we were reading we were reading we were underway i think <laughs> and i let you borrow it and you were like this is such a good book because i really like it i go somewhere else when i read this he's yeah. so good it's it's so nice and it's so like it really does kind of transport you yeah a- and and like and i know like there's all the things we say about reading, like, you know, reading opens other worlds to you and it does and all that. And like, all that stuff is true, but like for a nonfiction book to really like transport you is really special. And it just really shows that he has a real love of this place. It's, it was a, a book I would like to read. I actually like started portioning it out. Cause I was like, I don't want to read too much of this at a time because I want to have it for longer. Yeah. Um. So I would read, I actually, I need to get Chris to read that because I think he would really like it mm-hmm. because it's kind of like, meditative even sometimes it's Bakken is such like a special guy and like he's so charming in person Mm -hmm. and he's got like all this personality and then he's so good at nonfiction writing even though he's like technically a poet miss I miss that guy all the time (laughs) I miss (laughs) Bakken and they just had a cute little baby Okay, we're going to end the episode and then we can talk about other stuff. Okay. Um, co- yeah, so cooking shows, um, as always, we'll plug Dicks for Good. Uh, <laughs> they're fantastic. They don't have anything to do with cooking. Uh, oh, she could do like a Gordon Ramsay one. That would be very on brand for him, actually. Um, oh anyway. my God, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so there's that. Um, I mean, you could do like an Anthony Bourdain in memoriam, which like some people would say is in poor taste, but I think Anthony Bourdain would think it's really funny. Um, that's just me, <laughs> especially especially if it was a sticker that sold to like to raise funds for like the black trans community. But that's just me. Anyway, um, oh, yeah. I, I'm digressing. So um, before I come up with more pitches for Dicks for Good, let me just go through our social media stuff. Um, I would like to remind everyone we do have a Patreon. So if you would like to be our first patreon ever you can just head right over there and uh for the price of a cup of coffee per month you can get one of us a cup of coffee per month <laughs> not both of us just one of us um yeah there's uh there's several different um, nope, not me levels. anymore either 
<laughs> there's several different levels. There's uh, it's they range from three dollars to fifty dollars. Some of them have merchandise in them. All of them will have bonus content. Um, if and when we get some Patreons. Uh, so there's that. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to follow, oh, and by the way, um, if you can't afford to be a Patreon, that's totally fine. We're really happy that people are listening to this. Um, and yeah, so just keep listening to it, and you are supporting us that way. Uh, if you would like to be one of our uh, like founding followers on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on at vague underscore of. Um, I still haven't cracked the Twitter thing, so we don't have that many followers. Um, Instagram's a different story, but if you want to follow us on Instagram, we are at vkoe underscore podcast. If you want to email us, we are at vkoepod dot at gmail dot com. Uh, <laughs> and our website is a vague knowledge of everything dot com. So if you, yeah, so if you want to get in touch with us, you can use any of those things and uh, you can check out our Patreon. Doesn't hurt to check it out. Even if you're not planning on becoming one, you could tell more people about it. You could share it. Be great. Anyway, uh, so there's that and that's about it. So uh, I am Rosie and and cooks matter. I'm hoping not uh, over mixing your dough for bread matters. (laughs) And also Alton Brown, what happened to you? Why do oh, you no. feel this need to do this <laughs> to these poor people? What do you are you have, doing? Do you have a different person uh, costume on? Are you okay? <laughs> do you have a different person costume on? Are you really someone else pretending to be all the <laughs> <laughs>